United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. It was a year ago when protesters took to the streets in Iraq. There was a problem. Obviously, the coronavirus had hit there hard. There were also problems with the economy. There was violence against protesters, assassination of civic leaders. Uh, where are we now a year later? Let's talk about it with our guest, Sarang Hamasaid, Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. The Twitter handle is at Sarhang, S-A-L-A-R. Sarhang Hamasaid, welcome back. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Tim. Good to be back with you. Obviously, in, in this country, during a presidential campaign, much of what happens internationally is overwhelmed by domestic issues and what's happening in the campaign, the horse race, etc. So it'd be good if you could give us an update of what's been happening, whether or not this is something that has been on the wane or if it is something that has increased. It'd just give us a sense of the, the state of affairs right now in Iraq. Um, thank you. So, yes, uh, in Iraq, um, the, we are... This month marks the one-year anniversary of uh, peaceful demonstrations where uh, tens of thousands of uh, youth under age of 25 go to the streets uh, um, in middle and south of Iraq demanding their government uh, to perform better, provide jobs, provide services, limit uh, external malign influence. And um, one year into it, uh, there has been uh, slow progress, but uh, nevertheless uh, important progress. Um, one is that the, 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 the signal that uh, we saw last year, that the protest signal, uh, deep societal change uh, in Iraq, uh, that proved to be true, uh, even though the number of uh, the protesters uh, have uh, dwindled over the months uh, because of COVID-19 and brutal assassination campaigns against uh, um, against the peaceful demonstrators and uh, uh, some fragmentation within themselves. Uh, but then, nonetheless, the spirit uh, of the protest remains strong, and uh, it has uh, even expanded and taken root in the religious space of Iraq, where uh, in the recent month there has been the uh, key anniversary of Shia occasions marking the martyrdom of Imam Hussein, which is an important uh, occasion in Shia Islam, uh, where the youth uh, embraced chants and uh, slogans uh, some symbolizing, uh, taking the symbolism of Imam Hussein of standing up to injustice and uh, oppression. Uh, so that's taking uh, away from the legitimacy of the religious uh, political parties. Uh, and second, uh, they have their pressure uh, with a great support from Grand Ayatollah Ayyus Sistani, the Grand Shia cleric. The pressure also helped um, uh, uh, basically uh, pushed Prime Minister Abdel Mahdi to resign. Now we have a, a new Prime Minister, Mustafa Kalbami. Uh, uh, third, they have been able to uh, force a change in the election law uh, that will uh, increase the electoral districts in Iraq, uh, uh, setting the stage for more accountable representation of the people, but also comes with the risks uh, of changing the balance of power within communities, within political parties, uh, and uh, a, a range of other actors. Uh, they have a new electoral commission uh, that is comprised of judges, which helps uh, away, taking the electoral commission away from political parties um, towards um, uh, a more fair uh, uh, management. And the uh, new election uh, date has been set for June of next year. So overall, there has been some big changes, uh, but for the daily life of the people, those things have not changed the daily life. So the frustration of the people continues. 
And um, uh, we're coming up on the 25th, which will be a big anniversary date. Uh, there are signs of uh, people wanting to uh, pick things up, uh, but also uh, the factors that I mentioned, the assassinations and the violence used against uh, protesters um, and fragmentation sort of uh, uh, bring skepticism uh, if those um, uh, protests will be as big. But uh, the spirit of it continues. The international community continues to engage with it. Um, and uh, uh, the economic situation in Iraq may propel, uh, may, may uh, replenish the ranks of the protesters. Again, uh, Sarhang Hamasaid with the United States Institute of Peace with us. Speaking of the economy, obviously two key factors. The oil price has just bottomed out over the last year. It's not just in Iraq, but it is worldwide. That has been a problem. In addition to that, the coronavirus or COVID infection rates. I'm wondering... Not much necessarily that the government can do about the global price of oil, but I wonder about how the perception of the people of Iraq of how the government in place has handled the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the people of Iraq are very critical of the government, um, the current government and previous governments, uh, of how they handle uh, both the pandemic and the financial crisis uh, that. Uh, has been induced uh, in the immediate term by the drop in oil prices caused by COVID-19 and and economic recession that associated with it. Uh, But um, um, the Iraq's facilities uh, in terms of COVID, they do not have the ability to uh, handle many cases. They don't have the the capacity to uh, provide the health care that the Iraqis need. So the, the government, in my assessment, pretty much lost control over, um, uh, over the, the pandemic and people have lost faith in the health system so that many people don't even go to the hospital when they need help and they deal with it um, at home. So to give to put it in perspective, early June of this year, Iraq had about 10,000 registered cases. Uh, as of yesterday, they had 430,000 cases. So that's a significant increase. Um, and uh, about 10,000 uh, uh, deaths. In terms of the financial crisis, uh, Iraq uh, doesn't have enough revenue from the uh, oil prices, to, uh, so it has gotten to a stage where uh, it has difficulty paying the public servants, uh, so it's about 7 million of them. So that could in itself become a source of instability where pr- protesters uh, will go to the street and demand their government to, for immediate payment because of the high poverty rate, high unemployment rate, uh, with all the economic conditions, Iraq heavily reliant on oil for more than 95% of its public budget reliant on oil. Uh, so the people are unhappy and the situation um, is tough. The prime minister and his cabinet proposed a uh, reform paper uh, to parliament, but it has been caught uh, in between uh, the politics of people, not some politicians not wanting to give the prime minister when playing politics with this. Uh, and second, uh, any solution that the prime minister proposes, he doesn't have the political backing in parliament to pass it. And third, no matter what he proposes, nothing will immediately uh, solve this steep crisis. So it takes a pro- uh, an incremental process and a lot of help from the international community, too. It was a few weeks ago that the secretary of state, Mike Pompeo, suggested that the U.S. might shut down its embassy in Baghdad. That has not happened. Still, that does seem to cast a shadow over U.S. and Iraq relations. Where does that stand? Yeah, so um, 
over so that the news of a potential uh, U.S. embassy shutdown was received with a lot of surprise uh, in Iraqi circles and also in circles of Iraq experts um, because uh, in the past year, so beginning of 2020, the relationship was was really at a low point. Uh, but with the new government, uh, the, under Kazemi, uh, the relationship has been reset. Strategic dialogue has kicked off, and dialogues were good. Um, and the uh, prime minister was uh, warmly received uh, in the White House by President Trump, and uh, his cabinet members had engagements with their counterparts in Washington. So there were a lot of positive messages coming out from both governments. Um, but uh, I think the, the 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 risk of the U.S. government shutdown, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, embassy, uh, U.S. embassy in Baghdad, a shutdown of that, uh, the risk comes in the uh, context of continued uh, and increased attack uh, attacks on the embassy itself uh, by armed groups, um, uh, many uh, backed by Iran. And also attacks on facilities that how that host uh, U.S. troops, uh, attacks on U.S. Uh, military convoys, and uh, also attack uh, on um, Erbil International Airport that has also U.S. military facilities there, and more recently uh, an attack uh, on British uh, diplomatic convoy. All these raise the concern about the safety of U.S. personnel there. So, uh, the, with the Iraqi government being unable to uh, provide the protection necessary. The U.S. is uh, happy that the prime minister, unlike his predecessor, is more aggressively trying to uh, prevent these kind of attacks and resolve matters. But in practical terms, the U.S. Uh, feels that it has to take some of its matters into uh, uh, its hands, especially as a precautionary measure during this election season so that it does not become an issue as the Benghazi uh, issue in Libya became in the 2016 elections. And um, the Iraqi people, the Iraqi leaders, have a lot on their hand to get their act together and uh, prevent uh, um, a few who are armed and dangerous and backed by external powers like Iran will not dominate uh, the future of Iraq. Sarhang Hamasaid, thank you for joining us on POTUS today. A good and important update. Thanks for giving it to us. Thank you, Tim. Sarhang Hamasaid, Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace a year later. What is the situation in Iraq? Noting, by the way, that the elections next year are double-edged sword. It's good that you're moving forward. It's more inclusive. It does bring positives, but it also means a change in power, possibly new conflicts. There's always a danger to moving forward, but we'll see how it turns out. He is tweeting at Sarhang Salar, S-A-R-H-A-N-G-S-A-L-A-R. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.